Everybody talks, nobody listens. Kind of a discouraging thought when you're about to talk for 30 minutes. You know, last week, though, we started talking about how um, we are in a society that has a loneliness epidemic, that people may look great on the surface, but many are suffering, and God cares. You may not realize it, but the same is true with depression. You know, one out of 10 Americans say they suffer with some kind of depression, and, and yet we see just what's on the surface. Listen to how one woman uh, came out of her depression. Won't be the case with all depression because depression has many causes. But she said, many factors contributed to my depression. Of course, loneliness, lack of social support were the obvious factors. But the major contributor was that I didn't feel understood. And she goes on and says, what changed it for me was a powerful listener. Though this person was a complete stranger to me, they listened so patiently and intently to my words and feelings, both expressed and unexpressed. It felt so incredible. I didn't want to stop sharing. I emptied my entire heart. All my fears, disappointments, pain, I released it all. It was pure, non-judgmental, patient, empathetic listening. I didn't get a lot of answers. I got thought-provoking questions, like what does your soul really want? What are you grateful for? How can you forgive? It was this powerful listening that provided immeasurable healing. It was the first time in my life I actually felt like I had been heard, really understood. Slowly but surely, I was able to walk out of the depression with the help of powerful listening. We're in this series called Love Everybody Life by Life. And really, it's a series of how do we actually do what Jesus said are the, number, the, the first two commandments that sum up the whole Bible. Love God with all you've got, and then let him teach us to love our neighbor, our coworkers, the people around us, as much as we do ourselves. And, and last week, I challenged you to get intentional about it. And on our Gateway app, we have a bar called Love Everyone Life by Life, and I challenge you to join in with us so we know we're in this together. And because we talked about it, we get busy and we forget, even though we want to be people like that. And so we're going to encourage each other. We're going to remind each other. We're going to send helpful, you know, equipping and ideas so that we can actually do this. And we talked about how it starts by just caring. And, and you can't really care about someone if you don't even know them. So you get to know them. And in, our, in the prayer list on the app, you can write down their name. And, and just we said, just start praying for one of those people that God puts in your life a day. Because what more way can you care than to care enough to pray for that person? So we talked about how love cares, but then love listens, right? I mean, think about when you have really felt loved. Wasn't it a lot because you felt like that person actually wanted to know you, like wanted to listen deeply enough to care about what makes you tick, what matters to you. And that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, when, when I wrote the book Unshockable Love, I did a four-month study of, of Jesus and his attitudes and actions compared to those of the religious Pharisees of his day. And one thing that shocked me is when I discovered that Jesus actually asked more questions then he gave answers. Jesus was asked 163 questions. He directly answered three. 
but he asked 306 questions. Jesus used questions to provoke spiritual curiosity and to work with people's willingness. Now, you know, sometimes Jesus seemed to have kind of a divine advantage, right, of, of knowing what was going on when, in someone's life. But as I observed Jesus more and more in, in the Gospels, what I found is, you know, Jesus is fully divine, yes, but he was also fully human. And so as a perfect human, he had the same spirit in him that lives in you if you put your trust in him. And he had to perfectly stay in tune with God's spirit to then listen to the people around him. He still had to listen to God and to the people around him, just like you and I do. One example of that, while he was in Jerusalem at the pool of Bethesda, um, it says that a, a great number of people who were disabled would lay around the pool. And there was this idea out there that if an angel stirred the waters, the first one in the pool would be healed. And Jesus is paying attention to this, and he notices one guy. And it turns out that that guy had been uh, disabled on a mat for 38 years. And he had always tried to crawl to the pool whenever, you know, I don't know what it was, wind blowing on the water or something, but he could never get there first. Interestingly, Jesus notices that guy. Now, here's something else is as you are doing this, you know, as you're starting to think about and pray for the, like I challenge you, probably 20 or so people in between your workplace and neighborhood or play place or where you go to school who God cares about, but they don't know he cares. And as you start just praying for one and then the other, you'll notice that God, as you listen to his spirit, will kind of focus you in on one or two at a time. It's not overwhelming. And you focus there. That's what Jesus did. It says, when Jesus saw this man lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Kind of a strange question, isn't it? To ask a guy on a map 38 years. But here's the thing. See, Jesus works with our willingness. And he knew that sometimes the truth is we don't want to get well from our addictions, from our infirmities, from our fears, because we, they've become convenient excuses. And so he asked the question, do you want to get well? But notice too, it says he had to listen and learn first. Jesus saw him list, lying there and learned. Again, as a perfect human, he had to stay perfectly connected to God's spirit, who God's spirit is with you too, to learn what was going on. The Son of Man, Jesus said, can do nothing by himself, but only what he sees his Father doing. So we too, we listen to God's Spirit, but we also listen to the people around us. We listen deeply for their story. You know, people long to be listened to. And so as you go about your day and you meet neighbors or coworkers. You can love them by listening to them. Now, I know what some of you are saying. You say, no, 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 not me. I'm an introvert. Small talk with, with people I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. And I get it. Because I'm more of an introvert, honestly, than an extrovert. Left to myself, I will stay to myself. All right, but here's something you need to know if you are an introvert. First of all, you have something to offer. Extroverts don't. Because introverts actually are better listeners usually. 
and people long to be listened to. But the second thing you need to remember is Jesus said, love your neighbor. And he didn't say, unless you're introverted, then you get a pass. Right? So we got to have courage and push through that. People long to be listened to. They crave it. You know why? Because everybody talks. Nobody listens. That's why James said this. Dear brothers and sisters, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak. Now think about that. What's our natural tendency? The opposite, right? When, when, when you're listening to someone, what's going through your mind? Yeah, what you're going to say, right? You know, Eric, our South Campus pastor, and I were talking about this, and he was telling me a story of how he was meeting some guy for an appointment, and the guy was, was late, and he came in and sat down, and he was kind of, you know, out of breath, and he started telling him why he was late. And, and Eric uh, was thinking about, what they needed to talk about. And so the guy finishes explaining, and he goes, okay, that's cool. And the guy goes, that's cool. I just told you I was in an accident. That's cool? But he wasn't listening, right? So what does it mean to be quick to listen? Well, it means instead of being quick to think about what we're going to say, first be quick to really listen in for what they're saying and use it as a cue to prompt more questions even. To hear them deeply so they feel understood. So let me give you a few just listening tips with your neighbors or coworkers or others. And the first is this, walk, don't wave. If you think about it, how many of us, we drive into our driveways, we see our neighbor, we wave as, as we walk inside, right? Or same with a coworker down the hall. But instead, if we're going to do this, every time you're tempted to wave, walk toward them. And engage them in conversation. And the second thing is just ask prompting questions. You know, if, if it's someone you don't know, uh, you know, I, I, I was able to do this twice this week. I just went up and said, hey, I'm John. I don't think I've met you yet. What's your name? And then just ask, you know, simple questions. How long you lived here? How long you worked here? What, where, what department do you work in? And then when you get their name, Go write it down in our app under the prayer list. And if you start praying for them periodically, even once a week, you'll remember their name. And that goes a long way. Because it says, I, I, I care. You're worth remembering. And then you ask other questions, just taking an interest in their life uh, as, as things come along. And again, that's where the app and that prayer list can help. What I do is I write the name. And then as I have conversations, I just write things I'm learning. Uh, about the person and then you can follow up like let's say you're talking to a neighbor and they're taking a trip well, when you see him again you know if, if you've been praying for him or you've got stuff written down you can ask about it how was the trip or if someone was sick hey how was that person you might even mention you prayed for him you know or if there was a big thing at work hey how did that turn out see that's how people know you care because you care enough to pay attention to those details, and actually start to pray about them. And that grows the level of friendship. Now, some questions, you know, are, are appropriate depending on the level of trust, right? So if you just met someone uh, and you ask, hey, you struggle with anger lately? You know, that probably wouldn't be appropriate. But it might be if you had had a conversation about that after there was a blow up, right? And, and, and you had had deep conversations like that. 
So you start with the facts because that's pretty much safe. And then as you're asking prompting questions, you're listening curiously. Listen for clues. You know, you have kids. Yeah. How old are they? Four and 13. Oh, your 13-year-old go to Cedar Park Middle School? Yeah. How's she like it? Oh, she likes it a lot. Man, preschooler and a teenager, that's a big spread. Was that a surprise birthday party? <laughs> Maybe you don't go there right away. <laughs> but you know, in time, humor actually helps. It loosens things up. So you ask prompting questions and then look them in the eye. Looking some, yes, you're going to have to look up from your phone to do this, okay? You can go back to your phone, but look them in the eye because it communicates warmth and connection. It communicates they matter. You'd be surprised how hard it is for people to just look each other in the eye. But that really matters. Now, again, some of you are cringing like, oh, this is exactly what I don't like. Well, if you're a Christ follower, let me remind you of something. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For the love of Christ urges us on. Because we are convinced that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all so that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. See, here's the deal. If you're a Christ follower, if you have realized the price God paid to not only forgive you, but enter into life with you in this eternal love relationship, if you've realized that and realize that he laid his life down for you, but not just for you, so that you would die to yourself, to that old way of life of just thinking about what's comfortable or easy for me and actually live for him, let that urge you on. So when it's not comfortable, just say, and Lord, it wasn't comfortable for you on the cross, was it? I'm doing this for you. And let that urge you on. And then the next little tip is put them in a good frame of mind. You know, that verse we just read said, we no longer regard people from a human or worldly point of view. What does that mean? Well, a human point of view or, or frame of mind sees people on the outside, hears things, quickly wraps them all up, sums them up, and judges them. Right? As this kind of person or that kind of person. And we don't do that anymore. See, what God intends, because here's the thing. Inevitably, as you get to know your neighbors or your coworkers, you learn more, you listen, you'll learn more about them, and inevitably they're going to say something you don't like. <laughs> you don't agree with their political point of view. You don't agree with their ideas or their morality or, you know, their theology or whatever it might be. And, and you'll be tempted to see them from a point of view that quickly sums them up. And if that's the frame of mind you keep them in, they'll, they'll pick up on it. And, and it will subtly push them away. But what about this instead? Jesus saw something worth dying for in every human. Right? God's masterpiece created to become this incredible person. Frame, put that frame in mind when you hear something you don't like and picture that because that'll help you move toward them rather than away from them. And then be a spiritual detective. You're listening for their story 
everybody has a story. Everybody has a spiritual story. Even atheists have a spiritual story. And as trust develops, don't be afraid to go deeper with people. In fact, watch as we look at how Jesus moves a superficial conversation to really get at a deeper spiritual issue. Because this may be your next step. Maybe you've already gotten to know a lot of facts about your neighbors or your coworkers, the people you're praying for. But maybe you've never taken it to more of a spiritual conversation. So be a spiritual detective listening for what is their story. And here's what you're listening for. What is that point of pain or that point of need or that desire that God actually wants to be involved with? So in John chapter 4, it says Jesus and his disciples were going through Samaria. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, they stopped at a well. Jesus asked her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. All right, pause here for a second. So the religious Pharisees of Jesus' day despised Samaritans. They didn't like their immoral behavior. They didn't like their interracial marriages. They didn't like their theology. And they prevented Jews, they taught Jews, you don't even go through Samaria. Do not talk to or associate with a Samaritan. And they also kind of treated women that way. And here is a Samaritan woman. Jesus chooses to go into Samaria, and not only that, to talk to this woman and to dignify her by asking her for a drink. That is actually uh, what she experiences. And John notes that. It's like, huh. You are, are, are not treating me with contempt, but you're dignifying me by actually asking me for a drink. Now, if you're a single guy and you're thinking, now I can follow Jesus that way. I'll ask a woman to buy me a drink. And no, that's not what he's talking about, all right? So he dignifies her by asking her for, for a drink. But notice too, he's crossing racial, socioeconomic, cultural divides He's crossing all these divides. It's an important thing for us to consider. How much do we cross divides to listen to others, to dignify others? And you know, actually, Gateway, that's what I love about our church, of how we, we do such a great job of creating this grace-giving acceptance that crosses all types of divides. It's an important thing to remember right now, especially in this heated political climate, that as a result of that, we're reaching people 50-50, Democrat, Republican, and remember the things that unite us, not just the things that divide us in this season. I think that's really important to keep in mind. By the way, a whole other um, thing to note here at North is there's a Gateway U class that our, our future campus pastor, John Ng, is going to be teaching starting Tuesday called Color, Beyond Colorblind. And uh, you may want to check that out so we can continue uh, to learn how to build bridges where our society is tending to divide. All right, when you listen to people deeply, when you are a spiritual detective, people will go to those deeper places. You'll be amazed. That's what happened for me. You know, Randy and John listened deeply to me. Even my arguments against their Christianity they listened, and they considered it, and they also asked me prompting spiritual questions, and that ultimately is how I came to faith. 
You, don't, you probably don't realize how open the people around you are to have spiritual conversations. Do you know that, that we actually, um, churches came together and contracted a demographer to do a survey of Austin? And, and one of the questions that he asked is, how open would you be to have a conversation about religion or spirituality with a neighbor? This is all of Austin. 63% said open or very open. Six out of 10 of your neighbors that I'd be open or very open to have a spiritual conversation. As, as long as it's a dialogue, not a monologue, and, and it's not, you know, forcing one opinion, there's room for disagreement. But that's the stuff of life, and people want to talk about it. I wanted to talk about it before I was a, a Christian. So if you listen to people's spiritual story, and you listen to God, what you'll find is he's already at work in their point of need. I remember I was uh, flying to San Francisco and I was in the Dallas airport and my connecting flight was, was delayed and I started to realize I'm not gonna be in San Francisco when the seminar starts and I was starting to panic because I was the keynote speaker. And I, I'm stressing out and I realized I haven't even talked to God about this. And so finally, after you know, about 30 minutes of stressing out, I said, okay, Lord, you're, you're doing something. What are you doing? And help me join you in it. And uh, not long after I prayed that, I ended up uh, getting rebooked on another flight. And I sit down next to a 60-year-old woman who was sandwiched between me and a, a young mom with a baby. And we start to take off. And right as we're taking off, there was a blowout. Not with the plane, with the baby. <laughs> And something was clearly leaking, some fluids. And, uh, and, and, and the 60-year-old woman looks, the, the mom starts changing the diaper at about 45-degree takeoff. And the 60-year-old the looks at me like, she's really going to do this? Oh, my gosh. And then she pitches in to help, and so I pitched in to help. And after we get the diaper changed, I, I looked at the 60-year-old, and I said, you're a diaper-changing pro. Had some experience? I asked that question, that's, and then that's all I had to do, is just listen, pay attention, and keep asking questions. She told me, hey, I raised three kids by myself. And, uh, and, and I, I said, oh, really, where, where? And, you know, she told me where she was from and ended up asking other questions. And she told me, yeah, she's a single mom raising three kids, working at Sam's Club, and her daughter uh, was actually at Brown University, but got pregnant her freshman year um, and had to move home with her. And so she's gotten lots of diaper changing experience recently. So I congratulated her on being a grandmother. And I clued in, right? And, and I said, wow, Brown University, you must have done a really good job for your daughter to, you know, raising your kids for your daughter to get into Brown. Was it hard? I'm amazed. You, you just listen, pay attention to the clues, encourage people where you can, and then ask those deeper spiritual questions. People will tell you their whole life story. You know why? Because nobody listens. Nobody cares that much. So she starts to tell me her story. And she, you know, how she had to leave her abusive, drug-addicted husband she said, when he broke my nose in front of my eight-year-old son, all three kids were in elementary school at the time. So yeah, it was really hard raising him alone. 
And we keep talking. I ask more questions. She tells me, you know, unfortunately her son followed her, her ex-husband. He turned her son against him and son ended up being a crack addict and then would come live with her and then steal from her. And she said, toughest decision I've ever made in my life. I, ha- I had to call the cops on him. And she said, this is the third time he had stolen from me. He took everything. What, I mean, what was I supposed to do? And then she shook her head and looked out the window. There it was. That's the point of pain or the point of need or, or desire where God wants to work. And that's the next thing. You're listening for that deeper need. You're listening for that deeper need that God wants to meet. That's what Jesus did. He replies to the woman at the well, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me. I'd give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon thirst again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It will become a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, this woman said, give me this water and then I won't be thirsty again. I won't have to come here to get water. Now notice, Jesus engages her in this conversation, this dialogue, starting with what she's most interested in, which is just physical water. But he also knows that her real deep thirst is for love. That's what's leading her to broken relationship after broken relationship. See, Jesus knows something we don't at this point. She's been married and divorced five times, and she's currently living with a guy and just using him, probably, or he's using her. And Jesus talks first about what's on her mind, her physical water, but he really wants to get to the spiritual water she needs. And if we're going to be like Jesus, this is what we have to do. We, we listen deeply. And again, this may be a conversation over, over one airplane flight, or it may be over months and years of getting to know somebody, but you're listening for that point of pain or that desire or that need that God wants to be involved with, and then you speak into it. You speak what you know is true about God and how he wants to be involved there. Notice Jesus does this. Now, Pharisees talk at people. They, they, they give quick fix platitudes. Jesus didn't do that. He didn't preach at her. He didn't even tell her, you need to move out you know, from this guy. You need to stop using him sexually. He didn't, even though that's not his will, he didn't say that. Instead, when she shows a willingness, give me this living water, he brings the truth of what God wants to do into the broken places of her life, but with hope, not condemnation. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You've had five husbands, and the one you aren't, (laughs) and you aren't even married to the man you're now living with. You have certainly spoken the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. Conversation gets awkward. Okay, now many times when you go to a spiritual place, it starts to get awkward. And interestingly, if you study this, which we don't have time to go into, she starts to go off on this esoterical theological debate about whether you're supposed to worship here or worship there. She's sidetracking. And he graciously goes with her along that path for a while, but then gently steers her back 
basically saying, God wants to give you something better. Look, the way you're going at this is not working for you, is it? Don't you want something better? And interestingly, as the story ends, she goes into the village and tells everyone, all her friends, you got to come meet this guy. I mean, he told me all about my past, and everybody knew about her past, but with hope. And they all come, and Jesus was passing through, but he ends up paying attention and staying for two days. Not only does a woman come to faith, but all her friends do too. As you listen deeply, try asking spiritual questions. If, if you already know the person and facts about them, sometimes I'll just ask, hey, I, you never told me, what's your spiritual background? It's a great question. Or, hey, what's your greatest hope in life? Or what are your greatest desires? What matters the most to you? It might feel a little awkward if you've never gone there, but be a little bit more courageous and watch how God starts to steer the conversation until you hear that point of need or that great desire and then boldly declare what you know about God and how he wants good things for them in that place. So I asked the woman at the plane, how's your relationship with your son now? Haven't seen him in four years, she said. He went to jail. He had been in jail. She had visited him, but he, he didn't want anything to do with her when he got out. He disappeared. She hadn't seen him in four years. And so I decided, okay, I think this is where God wants to work at her point of need. So I, I decided to risk. And, and I said to her, you know, I've seen God bring amazing restoration to many families who have, 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 been, have struggled with abuse or, or, or drug abuse. And she said immediately, no, this is impossible. Now, again, she doesn't know I'm a pastor, and yet we're having this incredible spiritual conversation. And, and, and I said, well, true, it is impossible, but God can do impossible things. She said, nope, not here, impossible. And so I, I, I began to just ask a few other questions. And then I assured her, you know, God cares about you, and he cares about your son, and he wants to bring healing and restoration but I said, but you know, the thing I've learned about God is he doesn't force us. That's why we go through so much pain. That's why you've experienced so much pain because he doesn't force your ex-husband to do his will. He doesn't force your son to do his will. He doesn't force you to do his will. But when we're willing, he really does help us and he can heal those broken places. And then that opens up a whole other. And she starts to talk to me about her anger and her bitterness toward her ex-husband. Eventually her guilt for sending her son to prison and how she's run from God for decades. And so we're able to talk about the grace of God. It forgives us everything because of what he's done for, for us in Christ. And I mean, we talk about all these incredible things. And then we've talked a whole flight. And near the end of the flight, she looks at me. She said, you think it was just a coincidence that we sat next to each other today? And I said, no, it definitely wasn't a coincidence. And she said, you're not an angel, are you? And I said, no, and I've never been accused of being one. But I really did pray today, God, what are you doing? And show me how I can join you. And what he's doing is he's at work in your life. And he wants you to know that. And when, when we got off the plane, she thanked me. She hugged me. You know, and I was able to point her to our internet campus to, you know, stay, stay involved, hopefully. 
But here's the thing, you guys. God will do the same through you. And there is nothing like letting God love people through you. So here's your assignment, should you choose to accept it. You can see Mission Impossible. First of all, go get our app and, you know, download it. Click on that bar that says love everyone life by life. Just click on that. And then where it says I'm in, join with us. Because let's see where we're loving our neighbors and our coworkers all over Austin. Let us know where you are. And we're going to, we'll show you on a map where everybody is. Let's cover Austin with, with the love of God. But then also, yeah, wouldn't that be awesome? But then also where it says prayer list, you're the only one who will see this, but use it. And there, write down names, and here's your assignment. This week, as you write down those names, just start asking questions. You don't have to tell anything to anybody. You don't have to have a deep spiritual conversation like I had. Just listen and learn and write down what you're learning about people. And then start praying according to what you're learning and just watch how God leads you. Well, would you stand with me and let's close in prayer. God, thank you that you, through Christ, entered our lives. You entered into our world when it wasn't easy or convenient or even safe for you. But you did it because of your great love. And God, let us, those of us who have received that forgiveness and that love and that relationship with you, let that love urge us on to love others around us by listening, by just being good listeners who care about the people around us. And help us listen to what you're doing in our own lives to teach us about you and to follow you into the world around you, to let you love others through us. Do we pray that you would guide us in Jesus' name? Amen.